Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Cinematic Reviews. This is Matt here, and I'm going to review the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A Quentin Tarantino movie is always an event. I feel like this movie in particular is exactly right in his wheelhouse. This is absolute nostalgia at its best. It isn't the nostalgia that Disney is spoon-feeding us by remaking old classics and rebooting movies. No. This is a more personalized nostalgia that, that came from Tarantino's own memories of growing up in the 60s in L.A. And I think it's truly a love letter to the location and the movies of the era. I'm going to get into some spoiler material later on, but I'll make sure to warn you when I get to that point. So don't worry. I won't talk spoilers until it's spoiler time. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. I know, talk about a star-studded cast, right? Add on top of that Margot Robbie, and you're just... I mean, this is an incredible cast, ensemble of characters. Leonardo's character is named Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton is a TV star that is coming up on an age where movies rule the business. So it's a difficult transition in both age, because he's you know, he's getting a little bit older and employment, you know, transitioning from TV to movies. It's a different world for him. Brad Pitt, on the other hand, plays Dalton's stunt double, Cliff Booth. And the two have built up a trusting relationship, having worked together on the longtime running fictional TV show, Bounty Law, starring Rick Dalton. So Dalton continues to try and bring Cliff along as his career begins to to take another turn and kind of plateaus at this point. I think in his case, in Rick Dalton's case, it's there's a very Sunset Boulevard feel to the story. Not in the same kind of creepy way, but from a thematic standpoint, I feel like there's a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same ideas being played out during these times of transition in Hollywood. It feels like the movie is made up a bunch of, of a bunch of short films. So each short film is kind of, it is related to the next, but perhaps not in the same way you expect typical plot structure from mainstream movies of the day. I personally don't have an issue with any of this because I find myself simply enjoying the world that Tarantino is presenting. I feel like it's very immersive and and interesting as, as time continues to go on and the characters are developed. And the performances from all the main actors are interesting enough in and of themselves. You know, why... Why have Pitt and DiCaprio not starred in more films together? They're actually a really good duo, and they hold a lot of star power individually, let alone together. Also starring in this film, which I mentioned before, though she's not she's not in it as much as the other two, but she she's more of a side character, but she's a very, very important character to this movie, is Margot Robbie, and she plays the real-life actress Sharon Tate. So if you don't know the sad story of Sharon Tate and what happened to her, I would recommend that you do a quick Wikipedia search or or something like that just to get some information either before or after seeing this movie. Just to summarize a bit, her life and some of those close to her, including her son that was weeks away from entering the world, were cut short as a result of murder by the hand of some of the people referred to as, quote, the Manson family, unquote. In other words, Charles Manson's people. If you haven't heard of Charles Manson, I I don't I, I don't want to get into that a lot. You could go look him up. Creepy dude. But anyway, it's it's nice to see the portrayal done so adept by Margot Robbie. 
of someone that was real and existed at this time. And you get some really nice screen time with her when you're not off with Pitt and DiCaprio. And it ends up being quite emotional, particularly for those that are familiar and especially those that actually remember the tragic events. And more on that later. I love that you can always count on Tarantino to present original material in a way that is 100% him. Even when he's getting inspiration from music or from other filmmakers, he still makes it his own. And as you likely know, I'm someone that really loves movies. I'm passionate about film for whatever reason. It just really, really appeals to me. It's something that I love. But whenever I hear Tarantino talk, I conclude that there is no other person on this planet that loves movies as much or in the way that Tarantino does. I honestly think that that's true. I do think this movie is Oscar-worthy on a number of accounts. Best screenplay, certainly. Best acting, any of the main actors would qualify. Best director, production design, I could go on and on. It's fantastic all around. It's just the entire production is impressive. The movie is special. It's intriguing. It's gripping. It's It feels lived in. And it's cathartic and moving. And the 1960s period aspect about it is really realistic feeling. You know, it's not it's not a caricature of the 60s. It feels like the 60s. And he was even able to transform a part of L.A. into what it looked like in the 60s. And it's a very fascinating thing. But before I get into spoilers and before I tell you any more about this movie, I want to say that I give it an A-. I absolutely loved it, and I feel the pull to see it again, particularly if I can find a place that shows it in 70 millimeters. But now, I'm going to talk spoilers for the last segment, so if you don't want those, you know the grade I gave this movie, you know I love it, you know I think it's an A- movie, and um, you may want to skip out at this point. Or if you're many in my audience who who are probably not going to see this movie, you have no desire to go watch this movie, you may want to stay tuned in anyway just because there is some, I think, some interesting things that play out here. So if you're not worried about spoilers, go ahead and keep listening. I have to talk about the ending sequence that takes place at Rick Dalton's home. So he gets home from Italy after shooting some spaghetti westerns. He kind of gets sucked into that whole thing. He's got a new wife from Italy, and he has Cliff over as they continue to commemorate the good times they had together now that their careers had come to a close together. So they're they're basically drunk from being out to eat earlier. They're coming home and they're just kind of winding down, but still hanging out together. They're not ready to let their time together go. And about at this moment, uh, Cliff Booth or the Brad Pitt character takes his dog out for a walk. So so he's not present at the time. But Rick Dalton hears a very loud car outside and in his drunken state is furious that someone with a loud car is parked outside on their private street. Now, if you know your history and you know that you know that these are Charles Manson's people and and there's a very eerie, creepy feeling about them and you suspect that, oh, no, here is the moment that we're going to have to witness Sharon Tate's tragic end. But not not so much. Dalton ends up throwing a fit cussing them out and they're forced to leave. So they go back down the hill and they park. But because of this turn of events, one of the Manson family members has, uh, I guess, an epiphany of some kind that they need to kill movie stars that corrupted the world with images of murder. And they turn people like them into murderers. And so they decide that they're going to attack Rick Dalton's house and the people inside of that before they get to the Sharon Tate residence. 
So you start to see some wheels turning and history is playing out differently than it originally did. But you still don't know exactly how this is going to play out. And it's it's something that I love. Uh, but but you're getting some hope that you're not going to have to experience the reality of, of Sharon Tate's uh, tragic end. So they, they I, I guess, meaning the, the Manson family members, walk up to the Dalton house instead of Tate's house and break in and threaten the... <laughs> Now, now Cliff Booth is back with his pit bull. He's he's trying to give him some food, but he had actually smoked, I guess, a, an acid-dipped cigarette of some kind. So he's kind of tripping uh, in a, in a psychedelic psychedelic state, and uh, it's a it's a very interesting moment for him. But yeah, so while he's feeding the dog, they break into the house, and and you're not sure how this is going to play out. You know, they're dangerous people. And, you know, it's, it's just him in the kitchen, his new wife, or, uh, you know, Dalton's wife, his Italian wife is asleep in the bedroom. Dalton is out back in the swimming pool with headphones on and a drink in hand, just on a floaty. And there's some tension and then snap. Yeah. You, you have pit and his pit bull. So Booth and, and the pit bull together begin this horrendous attack on these people and, you know, everything just breaks loose. You have this wonderful, cathartic, though gory and gruesome it may be, but I feel like it's cathartic. It's just this great moment where you get to see history turned on its head. And let's just say that Cliff Booth, the Italian wife of Dalton, and the Pitbull kick it into high gear, and there is a scene that ensues that only Tarantino, in his violent glory, could pull off. Right. And the reason it is cathartic is because you get to see these horrible people just get gorily dead. I don't know if gorily is a word, but gorily dead. And I'll just mention that at one point, yeah, there's a use of a flamethrower as well. So it's it's not a, uh, a scene for the weeks, week of stomach necessarily. And I'm not someone that loves violence. I don't like watching violence, especially just for the sake of violence. I, I don't. It doesn't particularly, I guess, bother me in movies as much unless it's it, it does bother me if it's real life. So if I see footage of real life violence, that really gets to me because it's disturbing. But in movies, I can always turn it off and I can always say, oh, I know how they pull off that effect. Right. But I don't think it's cool or just good entertainment in and of itself. I'm not someone that's just like, oh, man, I love violent movies. But the, the why of violence matters to me. So it matters to me why something is violent. So there, there are some Tarantino moments that really don't appeal to me because they're more like violent for a comedic effect or just for like an entertainment effect. But I love the cathartic violent moments from Tarantino. I think they're special in a way. And, and so, yeah, I guess my point is that the why behind the violence is important to me as to whether or not I want to watch that thing play out. And for some reason, the the violence that Tarantino presents here, and also I think the violence that he includes in in Django Unchained, in Inglorious Bastards, I think those movies are very therapeutic in their own way. You know, it's nice to see a slave rise up and just demolish these horrible slavers. It's nice to see Hitler get shot in the face with a machine gun. To be honest, like it's therapeutic on a level. And it gives you the opportunity to see history turned on its head. And you see the bad guys get what's coming to them and, and the justice delivered. 
Because you see, I'm someone that believes justice is not mine to serve. I personally feel that the spirit of vengeance and revenge are not healthy things, and I don't think they're right from a moral standpoint. And that is why it's so nice to see a fantasy situation, aka a movie, that is completely fictionalized, that turns history on its head, and you get to see the bad guys get what's coming. It's cathartic. It's therapeutic. You get to see things play out, not how they did, but how you kind of wish they did. Or, you know, it's, it's just a nice way to experience revenge or vengeance, but more vicariously. You know, not actually taking vengeance or or being vengeful or taking out revenge on somebody, but just seeing it play out in a fictional scenario. So you kind of get that cathartic feeling that you would get without actually doing it, right? Because that obviously is wrong, and it is not something that I, I think would be a good thing to do. And I don't think that this movie is, I, I don't think violence usually inspires people to do things like that either, at least violence in movies. Anyway, that I'm getting a little derailed here, and maybe, maybe this is all weird, and maybe you think I have like an overgrown sense of justice or something, but I think a lot of us have a sense of justice. And I think a lot of us think it's nice, if even for a few minutes, to imagine a world where the bad guys don't get to do things that have lifetime consequences for other people. It's nice to see them instead be taken out. This ending sequence in its way, it was actually like a beautiful thing to me. And I think it was extremely moving to see Dalton's character at the end be invited into the Tate residence for a drink. You know, Sharon Tate was still there. She was happy. She would soon give birth to her son in a matter of days. And it was a moving moment to consider, at least, the what if of that scenario and see these horrible people get what they deserved. And for that, I think Tarantino made a beautiful, beautiful movie. It was a love story, a love letter to the 60s. It was a love letter to Sharon Tate from the 60s. I think this movie overall is very beautiful. Hey everybody, did you enjoy this movie review? If so, please take the time to review my podcast on iTunes using the link in the episode description. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Cinematic. That's Cinematic with two T's to stay up to date on my latest content and other happenings. Thank you for listening. i see you at the movies.